Welcome to Puerto Rico, a live in history. Today, we embark on a journey to late 1940s, a time that set the stage for one of the most controversial laws in its history. A law that even prohibited the display of the Puerto Rican flag, the God Law, or La Ley de Mordaza. To understand the Gagla, it's crucial to first look at the historical and political landscape of Puerto Rico in the early to mid-20th century. During this period, Puerto Rico was undergoing significant changes, having become a U.S. territory following the Spanish-American War in 1898, the island was navigating the complexities of its new political status, economic transformations, and cultural shifts. Amid these changes, a strong nationalist movement emerged, driven by a desire for greater autonomy or independence from the United States. Luis Muñoz Marín, a key political figure, played a significant role during this era. Initially a supporter of independence, Muñoz Marín shifted his stance towards favoring greater autonomy within the U.S. framework. This shift caused a rift among Puerto Ricans, with some viewing it as a practical approach to governance, while others saw it as a betrayal of the independence cause. In this climate of heightened political tension, the Puerto Rican legislature, led by Muñoz Marín's party, enacted law 53 of 1948, known as the Gog Law, officially titled Law to Prevent Communist and Totalitarian Activities. It was modeled after the U.S. Smith Act of 1940. The law made it illegal to display a Puerto Rican flag, sing patriotic tunes, talk about independence, or campaign for independence. The rationale behind the law was to suppress anti-American sentiment and curb what was seen as communist influence, but its broad and vague definitions of totalitarian and subversive activities gave the government sweeping powers to silence political dissent and suppress the nationalist movement. The law incited a wide range of responses from different sectors of Puerto Rican society, from fear and compliance to outrage and resistance. The Gog Law would soon prove to be a pivotal point in Puerto Rico's political history, setting the stage for significant confrontations and long-lasting impacts on the island's socio-political landscape. Following the enactment of the Gog Law in 1948, Governor Luis Muñoz Marín's administration moved swiftly to enforce it. The broad and vague definitions of prohibited activities enabled the government to target a wide range of individuals, many associated with the independence movement, including key figures like Pedro Albizu Campos. Pedro Albizu Campos, a prominent lawyer and the leader of the Puerto Rican Nationalist Party, was vehemently opposed to U.S. colonialism. He became a symbol of the resistance against the God Law. His advocacy for Puerto Rican independence and his criticism of U.S. policies made him a prime target under the law. Albizu Campos was arrested and imprisoned multiple times due to his activities. His arrests were often based on the broad accusations permitted by the Gagla 
and his trials were marked by legal irregularities. His treatment in prison, including allegations of inhumane conditions and medical mistreatment, became a cause celebre and highlighted the law's brutal impact. Within two years of its implementation, over 3,000 people were arrested under the Gulf Law. These arrests, including those of Albizu Campos and other Nationalist Party members, were often made without clear evidence or adherence to due process. The judiciary handed out various sentences, some of which were disproportionately harsh. Many detainees were held for extended periods without trial. When trials occurred, they were often marred by legal irregularities and a lack of transparency. The mass arrests and harsh sentences, particularly those of high-profile figures like Albizu Campos, created a climate of fear across Puerto Rico. The lost reach made everyday expressions of cultural or political identity risky, as even minor acts could be interpreted as violations. The Gok law from its inception was immediately recognized as a significant threat to the fundamental freedoms of press and speech in Puerto Rico. Its broad and vague definitions of prohibited activities made it a powerful tool for censorship and suppression of dissent. The law effectively criminalized a wide range of expressions and activities that were essential to a free and open society. The press, which plays a crucial role in any democratic society, was among the first to react. Iceland newspapers, which had traditionally been a platform for diverse political views and critical commentary, found themselves directly under threat. Many newspapers protested against the law, understanding the dangerous precedent it set, not only for political expression, but for the freedom of the press itself. In a significant display of unity and resistance, a protest assembly was convened by the major newspaper of the island. This assembly was not just a gathering of journalists. It brought together a wide spectrum of society, including lawyers, union members, and teachers. The diverse composition of this assembly highlighted the widespread concern over the law's implications. Transcending the immediate cycle of political activists, and touching the core of Puerto Rican civil society. The criticism leveled against the Godula was sharp and clear. It was seen as a direct assault on free expression. By criminalizing the advocacy of independence, the law was not merely a tool against a political ideology. It was an attack on the very principle of free thought and speech. This criticism extended beyond the local context, attracting attention and concern from international human rights organizations and press freedom groups. The law's impact on political dissent was particularly profound. It effectively silenced much of the political opposition, particularly those advocating for independence or critical of the U.S. presence in Puerto Rico. The fear of arrest and imprisonment led many to self-censor, 
significantly diminishing the public discourse around important political and social issues. The God Law, while ostensibly aimed curbing communist and totalitarian activities, quickly evolved into a potent instrument for wider political and social control in Puerto Rico. This control was exercised not just through direct actions like arrest and censorship, but also through a pervasive system of surveillance and intelligence gathering. One of the key features of this system was the creation and maintenance of lists of known nationalists. Being labeled as a nationalist or a sympathizer had serious consequences, and the criteria for being included on this list were often arbitrary and broad. People from various walks of life found themselves targeted, not necessarily for committing any tangible acts against the state, but simply for being suspected of nationalist sympathies. The repercussions of being on this list were far-reaching. Educators, legal professionals, government officials, and other influential figures who were labeled as nationalists faced severe consequences, including job loss, social ostracism, and even imprisonment. However, the impact of the law and the surveillance it entailed went beyond the nationalists. It extended to Governor Muñoz Marín's political adversaries, creditors, romantic rivals, journalists, and even candidates from other political parties. This broad targeting was indicative of the law's use as a tool for political vendettas and personal grudges. The FBI played a significant role in this process. Their surveillance and reporting in Puerto Rico were instrumental in the enforcement of the GOG law. The FBI's involvement lent a degree of legitimacy and authority to the actions taken under the law, while also providing the local government with extensive intelligence and resources for its enforcement. These actions were part of a broader strategy of political and social control. By casting a wide net and targeting a diverse group of individuals, the government under Muñoz Marín effectively instilled a sense of fear and suspicion across the island. This atmosphere stifled not only political opposition, but also constrained ordinary citizens' freedom of expression and association. While the primary target of the Gagla was the nationalist movement in Puerto Rico, its impact was not confined to this group alone. The reach of the law extended to the general public, including those who had little to no involvement in political activities. Ordinary citizens became cautious about expressing their opinions, fearing repercussions if their words were construed as nationalist or anti-American. This climate of intimidation and distrust was not limited to public spaces, but seeped into private conversations, affecting how people communicated even in their homes and communities. The long-term impacts of the GACLA, coupled with the associated FBI surveillance known as carpetas, profoundly shaped the psyche and social fabric of Puerto Rican society. These effects lingered for decades, extending well beyond the law's repeal and influencing generations. One of the most significant consequences 
was the installation of a deep-seated culture of fear and mistrust among the Puerto Rican people. The pervasive surveillance and the arbitrary nature of arrests and accusations led to a climate where people were cautious about who they trusted and what they said, even in private settings. Friends, family members, and neighbors often became suspicious of one another, fearing that their associations or conversations might be reported and misconstrued as pervasive. This suspicion sometimes led to the betrayal of trust, as individuals sought to protect themselves by distancing from or reporting others. To navigate this climate of fear, many adopted a posture of secrecy and dishonesty. People became guarded about expressing their true opinions and feelings, particularly on political matters. This lack of openness and honesty hindered the development of genuine community bonds and limited the richness of public discourse. The psychological impact on individuals who were targeted or feared being targeted was profound. Many suffered from anxiety, paranoia, and the sense of powerlessness. Families of those who were arrested or under surveillance also experienced stress and trauma, dealing with the stigma and the practical repercussions of their loved ones' situations. After the law was declared unconstitutional in 1957, there was a growing recognition of the damage caused by these practices. Efforts were made to address some of these impacts, including the establishment of a fund to assist victims. However, the psychological and social scars remained deeply embedded in the collective memory of Puerto Ricans. The oppressive nature of the gag law and the widespread abuse of civil liberties it engendered eventually led to mounting opposition. This opposition came not only from within Puerto Rico, but also from international observers and human rights advocates. Legal challenges to the law became a critical front in the battle for civil liberties and political freedom on the island. A key part of this opposition was spearheaded by civil rights activists and lawyers who recognized the law's violation of fundamental human rights. These individuals, often at great personal risk, worked tirelessly to bring cases to the courts that challenged the constitutionality of the God law. Their arguments highlighted the law's infringement on free speech, freedom of the press, and the right to peacefully assembly, among other basic rights. The arguments in these cases center around the First Amendment of the United States Constitution and the applicability of these rights to Puerto Ricans. The situation in Puerto Rico drew international attention, with various human rights organizations and foreign governments expressing concern over the Gogla's implications for democratic principles and human rights. This international scrutiny added pressure on the Puerto Rican government and the United States to address the legal and human rights issues raised by the law. The sustained legal and political efforts eventually bore fruit. In 1957, the law was declared unconstitutional, a landmark victory for civil liberties in Puerto Rico. This declaration was a significant step in restoring fundamental rights to the Puerto Rican people 
and marked the beginning of a new chapter in the island's political history. In the years following the repeal, there was a growing acknowledgement, both within Puerto Rico and internationally, of the extensive damage caused by the Gagla. This acknowledgement was critical in initiating efforts to address the consequences and in preventing the recurrence of such repressive measures. One of the tangible steps taken to address the lost impact was the establishment of a fund to assist some of its victims. This fund was aimed at providing financial compensation and support to those who had been unjustly imprisoned or otherwise harmed by the law's enforcement. While it could not fully compensate for those years' loss or the suffering endured, it represented a formal recognition of the injustice committed. Beyond financial compensation, there were efforts to educate the public about this dark chapter in Puerto Rico's history. Cultural and educational initiatives, such as museum exhibits, documentaries, and educational programs, were developed to inform new generations about the God Law and its effects. These initiatives played a vital role in fostering a collective memory and understanding of the past. As we conclude this examination of Puerto Rico's Gagla, its historical context, enforcement, and subsequent impact emerged not merely as a legal narrative, but as a profound lesson in the complexities of political power, civil liberties, and societal resilience. The Gag Law, enacted under the guise of maintaining public order, emerged as a pivotal instrument for political control, suppressing dissent and stifling freedom of expression across the island. Its far-reaching effects transcended political activists, seeping into the fabric of ordinary life and leaving an indelible mark on Puerto Rican society. The law's eventual repeal in 1957, following concerted legal and political opposition, represented a significant triumph for civil liberties. However, the path to societal healing and the redress of injustices proved arduous and complex. Efforts for compensation and public education, while commendable, only partially address the deep-seated psychological and social scars left by years of repression. The cultural and political landscape of Puerto Rico, indelibly altered by the law and its enforcement, continued to grapple with its legacy long after its repeal. Looking back, the story of the Gagla serves as a stark reminder of the fragility of fundamental freedoms and the necessity of vigilance in safeguarding them. It underscores the importance of an informed and engaged citizenry, the role of a free press, and the need for transparent and accountable governance. As Puerto Rico continues to navigate its complex relationship with the United States and its own national identity, the lessons from this period remain relevant, echoing through time as a cautionary tale of what can occur when the balance of power tips too far away from the liberties it is meant to protect. Thank you for listening to this episode of Puerto Rico, a living history. Join me next time as we'll continue to uncover the rich tapestry of Puerto Rican history. Until next time.